Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to one of the 10 best English language podcasts about Fiorentina on the internet. Welcome to Viola Station. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Viola Station. As you can see, this is the Viola Nation podcast. I'm your host, Tito. And this is Mike. And we are going to be running this thing. Uh, so before we get into anything too deep, Mike, you want to uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up as a Fiorentina fan. You know, like many people here, uh, you know, I've been following uh, Fiorentina remotely through mostly the Viola Nation site, uh, but it actually started when I stopped watching the NFL many years ago and needed something to fill my time. So uh, back then, uh, I picked up this big round ball, saw it bounced around, and uh, needed to pick up a club. Just so happens that the most beautiful city in the world had a beautiful purple jersey with a whole bunch of characters led by a guy by the name of Cesare Prandelli, and uh, the rest is history. Many years later, following the club and uh, cheering them on as hard as everybody else can. All right, and uh, I actually became a fan right around the same time. Uh, my Nona was from the bustling metropolis of San Benedetto Po, which is actually closer to Milan than to Florence, but she loved Florence. Uh, that's where we scattered her ashes. And then when we first got cable, when I was, uh, man, maybe seventh grade, and I started watching. In Texas. Oh, yeah. 
yeah, it was a really big deal. Let me tell you <laughs> what. Uh, but yeah, we got cable and started watch. My dad and I started watching soccer, and he pointed out Fiorentina to me, and that was uh, man, would that have been the year that Adi Mutu joined up? And I was just like instantly in love, and haven't looked back since. And I've been uh, yeah, lurking around at Viola Nation now for. 12 years in one capacity or another just as you're a, the driver here you're the driver as you have been for many years yeah so you contribute to a lot of our fandoms and we all appreciate it oh thank you yeah real long time now god i'm just feeling old but uh yeah Mike. <laughs> so uh just for a little bit more background if you had to pick a favorite player uh, obscure or not obscure, and a favorite moment as a Fiorentina fan, who do you got? You know, uh, I'll be honest, uh, my favorite player uh, is more recent. I teared up just as everybody else did when Borja Valero left the club. Uh, watching the videos as I saw all the fans standing around his house, him coming onto the balcony with his wife, giving them the thumbs up, listening to the songs and, and the praise raining in. Um, you know, I, I loved everything that he stood for with this club, the hard work ethic, the professionalism, uh, just the high character uh, person he is, the family values that he brought. Um, and the fact that, you know, it wasn't just something that was on paper. He put it on skin. You know, he tattooed his body with the city of Florence. So uh, definitely. Um, you know, from, from my perspective, seeing Borja Valero in purple was one of my favorite moments uh, as a fan and seeing him leave was one of the most memorable, saddest moments I can have of a fan of any team, uh, of, of any sport. Um, you know, as far as the moment, uh, my favorite, uh, I'd have to actually go to just the live events that I've been at. Um, most of them have been uneventful except for one. Uh, and that was the most recent one back in December where uh, Inter Milan was leading Fiorentina 1-0 at the Franchi. And uh, everybody's in the stands, you know, getting a little bit of anxious. And God knows, there's there's the savior. There's a savior. And that savior was a young man named Dusan Vlasovic. Uh, and I met Vlahovic with my daughter. He was one of the few players to take uh, a picture uh, with us in New York City. And uh, we've been a big fan of his ever since. To see him just gallop up and down uh, those the, the, that field and to take that ball, drive it home, uh, was amazing. And uh, I was up in the media press box area with a good friend of mine, Mauricio Gambarucci, uh, from Texas as well. And uh, we celebrated and yelled and screamed like little schoolgirls. It was the most memorable experience i could ever have and i would relive it every single day if i could oh man how about you buddy uh so my favorite player is also a very good wholesome family man by which i mean adrian mutu uh <laughs> i mean you know obviously a little bit of a nutcase but i mean he just he could score every goal and he did, but he also scored beautiful goals and he did it with so much style, despite that little soul patch. Oh my God. I, I was just so deeply in love with that man. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it seems like he's done some growing up recently. I don't know if you follow him on social media, but he is posting a lot of himself in quarantine with his family. So, yeah, no, he's a. I'm I'm actually astonished he's back in Europe. He was working in the I think in the Emirates for the past several years as a youth coach, while Chelsea were trying to uh, get money from him still. Which I mean, my God, like they clearly need that. Uh, you know. Abramovich is definitely running short on cash. Uh, I heard he can't even wear a wallet anymore because he's afraid some Chelsea man's going to come and pickpocket him. Oh, God. Can you, can you imagine? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought he was staying in the Emirates because they didn't have an extradition treaty and that he was <laughs> anxious about coming back to Romania. Also, because he got caught up in a uh, cocaine smuggling deal. Uh, what, two, three years ago? Those happen. Yeah, you know, uh, who among us? But, uh, yeah, so, I, uh, Adi Mutu, that, uh, the free kicks against Genoa, ah, sorry, I might have to, like, take a moment and fan myself here. And and he is a beautiful man, too, so I get it. He was handsome, still is. Mm -hmm. Uh, favorite moment, uh, the 4-2, the Giuseppe Rossi moment. It's really hard to pick against that for me, just watching that on the couch and seeing Pogba do the Badistuta machine gun celebration in the Franchi and just feeling this helpless, impotent rage. Yep. And then watching Pepito just like throw that back in his face and instead of being a jerk about it, just being really happy and excited. And it was like, yeah, not only are we a better team right now, we're better people. And it felt really good. I needed that. So, yeah, I'd say Adi Mutu in the 4-2. I will throw in there, as some of you may have noticed from the website, that I remain probably the biggest fan of Massimo Gobi, who is not related to him by blood or marriage. I still love Gobi. Don't want to hear anyone who says that he wasn't good. He was a legend, and I will hear nothing against him. All it takes is one, though. All it takes is one to make a man a legend. That get, the corner flag guitar celebration. Come on. Well, uh, if he's out there listening, send Tito a message. Yeah. Mas- Love to connect. Have a conversation. Massimo, if you're bored right now, we got guest slots on this podcast, and we would love to hear from you. Uh, that might be a lie. I would love to hear from you. I will not speak for Mike. <laughs> we love him. Definitely. A friend of Tito's is a friend of ours. You know, and, and Tito, it seems like we've had a, a little bit of a theme here uh, with your memories and mine. It seems to be a Villa, uh, Villarreal theme going on here and uh, keeping in that momentum. I don't know if you knew. Today was uh, Gonzalo's birthday. Gonzalo Rodriguez. Yeah! Thursday. Rockstar. Yeah. Well, feliz cumpleaños, uh, Gonzalo. And, and I'll let you talk about where he's at now because I sure as hell am not taking it. <laughs> Well, he's, but, yeah, last I heard, he was still playing with uh, San Lorenzo down in Argentina, although hopefully he'll be back up in Florence soon to uh, check in on the family. But, I mean, obviously not real soon, but hopefully pretty soon. And another guy who never lost his uh, his Florence roots once he came here. He's going to keep coming back. Oh, so you got to love those guys. Respect them. Well, and speaking of Florence roots who keep coming back, this is also the 23rd anniversary 
of a certain Gabriel Batistuta. Who's that? Uh, he's this really obscure Argentine striker who played hmm. for Florence back in the 90s. Oh, wow. Uh, he was sort of like, uh, like a Marcelo Lorondo type. Okay. From back then, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he, you know, serviceable, guy. Yeah, serviceable guy. journeyman type yeah. player. So maybe uh, he's worthy of bringing it up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he yeah. scored an absolute monster at the Camp Nou against Barcelona in the Champions League on this day. Greatest striker ever. Uh, don't at me on Twitter. That's a fact. Gabriel Batistuta. Gonzalo it was Rodriguez. A it was a laser. Oh, legends, well, I, both of them. Uh, thanks to you, I got to actually see that video today again, and uh, it takes me back to those jerseys. Uh, those jerseys were gorgeous. Oh, my God. And I'm just going to throw it out here. I got a lot of pushback on this last year. Black shorts are just an abomination in the eyes of God and man for Fiorentina. I never want to see him again. White and purple. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, but the nice part is, is when you have a jersey, as those were well-designed, all you can oh. see is that jersey. The fleur-de-lis on the sleeves, beautiful colors, uh, and the celebrations. Oh. Ends out. You can't see it, but I'm kissing my fingertips like a chef right now. And yep. then I after this, I'm going to have to go wash my hands like 14 times. In that sink that's right behind you there, I'm sure, right? Oh, don't don't tell them too much about the details of my recording studio here down in my bunker, forty feet underground uh, under solid concrete. Yep, yep. I, no I can't, doubt. Can't let anyone else in here. It's just you me. can't close the location. Viola Nation offices. Uh, very it might secure. be under Rocco's house. We're not sure. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, so... I think that uh, since we've got a little bit of a break in the season here, let's go ahead and just sort of run down the squad, especially for anyone who's new to Fiorentina. And, you know, when you start running down the squad, you got to start with the goalkeepers. Absolutely. So, so I thought we'd just sort of talk over the goalkeepers real quick and kind of talk about how they've done this year, what we expect for the rest of the year, you know, just assuming that there is a rest of the year. And then – uh looking forward as well well so, and, and have you been have you been more positive as far as the outlook than you are right now about the goalkeepers about the goalkeepers yeah this when is was actually the last time we were positive yeah right 
this is, yeah, this is going to be good news. It's going to be really cool, guys. I'm very, very excited to talk about things that make me happy right now. There's we a, have a really good goalkeeper, and he doesn't want to leave our team. Oh, my God. Yeah, Dragovsky is just a stud. I, I wouldn't trade him for any goalkeeper in the league, I don't think, uh, both in terms of just pure ability. I mean, you know, he's the Serie A record holder for most saves in a single game. Uh, sorry about that, Atalanta. Not sorry <laughs> at all. Uh, but, all, I mean, he's good at everything. He's got the agility and the quickness to yeah. stop shots. He's, he's an athlete. Yeah, he's way better coming out on crosses than most goalkeepers his age. His distribution is solid. I also really like that whenever he's even a little bit concerned, he just leathers it up the field. It is a pleasant departure from uh, some of the theatrics we've seen over the past few years between the sticks. So, yeah, Dragovsky, despite his choice of number 69 as a jersey number, which... I'm assuming that's like one of his parents maybe was born in 1969 and that's his way of memorializing them. Yeah. Let's, let's just stick with that. Yeah. Cause I, that would be a very sweet gesture and I would. It was a very sweet gesture. Yeah. When he took that number, when he joined Fiorentina as a teenager, I was just like, Oh no, please don't be this teenager. Please don't be this. Oh no. And now that he's stuck with it, that he's 22, I feel like maybe there's a little something else there. Like, well, the beard that he has grown shows us that he is a man. So uh, oh let's, let's hope let's yeah. hope that there's a lot more behind that, that number than just what meets the eye. Well, I mean, and there it will. I could say there's definitely a lot of him. He is just, he's just a large man. He is, and he, he keeps it together. I'll say this. Uh, I've never seen a more imposing guy between the sticks, and then when he gets angry and he wants to yell, you better watch out. That yes. guy's mean business. I, I love Angry Bart so much. He looks like an 18th century like cavalryman like in some sort of portrait with the beard. And like, oh, he's biking all the super way. Super intense. Yeah, like he needs he needs a shield and and a sword, and that guy is going to be terrorizing villages. I know. Yeah, like just let him pillage. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to stop him. That. Yeah, I'm he's, that. yeah. I'm, if I see him coming for me, I'm I'm going the other way. No doubt, no doubt. He's he's controlling that area. He has a nice control of it, and uh, as they should, all those defenders should be doing exactly what he tells yeah, them. Yeah, he's if not. Watch he, out. I just. God, what what a colossal oversight to leave him on the bench as long as they did. I mean, leaving him behind Tsutsari Sanu, I get. That made sense because he was, you know, younger. Tsutsari Sanu, firmly established international number one. But then dropping him behind Sportiello, I didn't really get. And then bringing in Lafont last year was also kind of weird. You can tell that people fell in love with the fonts and, and the opportunity yeah. he had going forward. That was I mean, a money investment. That was. That was. But, but uh, had we not dropped uh, Bart to the to the bench, he would not be oh, the single man. game leader for saves. This is true. So you're welcome, Empoli. Yeah, that's it. That's We're it. We're not apologizing for Sapinara, though. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> clearly. Yeah, clearly we're both super sold on Dragovsky. Now and going he's a forward. great interview. He speaks he speaks English. So uh, Bart, again, if you're listening, let us know. We'd be happy to have you on. Talk a little bit of soccer with you. Talk a little bit about beards. Uh, mine's not as long, but I'm happy to discuss it. 
I would also love to hear why 69, assuming that we can keep it PG rated. Uh, come up with a story. Just come if, up yeah. with any story. Yeah, we're very, we're very open. We like stories here. We'll do a story time with General Bart. All right, yeah. So moving past Bart, which, you know, not a whole lot of people do with the ball anyways, but we're going to pretend like we can. Uh, Pietro Terracciano is the backup. Uh, joined on a free this past year from Empoli after spending the second half of the year here on loan, actually in part of the Dragovsky swap back to Empoli. Uh, I actually... So as a player, I think he's adequate. He's had a couple of absurd games. That one against Lazio last year, where he oh god, he made like half a dozen really, really good saves and made Chiro Mobile very unhappy. And whenever Lazio's unhappy, I am happy because you know You and everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, Lazio. Uh but he's also a little bit catastrophic sometimes. I remember uh, when we met up in uh, scenic Trenton to watch Fiorentina in the International Champions Cup against Arsenal, he had a moment where he like came charging out of the box and punched oh, yeah. a high ball clear like three yards outside it and then tried to pretend like he was not outside the area it was very strange uh and then he he had another one this year i don't remember against who off the top of my head where he just had this like colossal brain fart and gave an opposing striker the ball like with a free run at goal and whoever it was i think was so surprised that he just like panicked and missed so he has his moments. He has his moments. And, and, and let's give him credit because you just have one yourself. Trenton is actually not a bad city. We were in scenic Newark. Oh, it was Newark. You're Newark. right. I've... So, so uh, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll do respect to Petro. You know, I think a lot of people panic when they're in Newark for the first time. It's not the place you want to be. Oh, you man. Know, I so, certainly uh, did. I get it. Uh, and, and we do have to give him credit. You know, he had a great Copa Italia game that kept us going in that tournament. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, I think, you know, from, from an overall strategic standpoint, you know, Rocco spent a lot of time, um, you know, Joe Baroni, uh, Daniele Prade, you know, we spent a lot of time focusing on, on the core of our team. I think now this is a year coming into the summer where we can take a look at and evaluate what those backup roles look like. and. And uh, if they need to be upgraded a little bit, I think now's the time that we can do that. Uh, I, yeah. And hey, not saying he needs to. He seems like a great guy. He's, he's putting out great videos and telling people to stay home. Oh, so I yeah. respect he's got He's got an adorable son, too. Yeah. But I think the other aspect of this is that he's, you know, ancient at, a, what, 31 now? So, you know, he's... I mean, his career's almost done. That's so old, especially for a goalkeeper. Uh, that's a joke. <laughs> but yeah. I, think, I think having, you know, another veteran in there is a really good thing, especially a more experienced guy who, as far as we can tell, is perfectly happy to be the backup and serve as a mentor yeah. for Dragovsky, who is, again, very young. Yeah, I mean, if if the 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 worst thing you can say about Petro is he's he's a steady good influence, I'm happy with that. Yeah, I'm happy to keep him on the roster, and I mean that's yeah. 
that's enough to keep some guys in a career for decades. I mean, Tommaso Bernie hasn't made a competitive appearance for Inter in what? <laughs> half a decade and he's still on the team? Like he's got more red cards than appearances. And, and Wayne Rooney now apparently still plays, you know, oh, as yeah, a player coach. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm all for it. Especially because yep. Fiorentina's other goalkeeping options are also very young. Very. So we're going to run down some of the younger guys here real quick. Uh, the first is Mikola Cerofolini. Uh He is 22 now and on loan out at Casertana. Uh, he's, he's a good player. He, yep. was, he got five caps with the U20s. Uh, despite being the same age as Alessandro Plizzari, who is in the AC Milan system and is rated almost as highly as Donnarumma. Yep. So, like, you know, if you can hold off Plizzari, you're, you're There's a good something player. There. Yeah. There's something I mean, there. I think, though, it seems like the team has maybe moved on from him a little bit, despite the fact that I think he could very easily wind up being a competent Serie A goalkeeper. I think maybe Andreas Sekulin from a few years ago, who's bounced around the league now for a while. Yeah. But the guys I'm a little more excited about are Simona Guidotti, who is the current number one for the U20s. Getting some work. Yeah, he's on loan at Pergoletese. I'm glad you say these. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you should see me doing my vocal warm-ups before we record. But yeah, uh, so to be on the outtakes, I guess, right? Oh, no outtakes. This is all all one perfect shot. All right. Uh, yeah, Gedotti's had lots of chances to strut his stuff for Bergolatese this year because they are simply terrible. Yeah. Uh, their defense is, I mean, you know, it's serious, so it uh, the game is perhaps a bit more basic than you'll see at Serie A level. But boy, they're just. Yeah. Bad. Less he's, Italian, more Swiss, like Swiss cheese. A lot of holes in that game there. Yeah. I mean, that's not even describing the fields or, you know, the Sandler. Oh, no, no Napoli jokes. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think that Godotti has got a lot of potential. He could wind up being a real star. It, 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 and he came in with a lot of promise. So let's hope that he's uh, able to to realize that down there, bring it back. Yeah. And I I think he might. Not, be it's not a bad for... thing to have a couple uh, goalkeepers in the market there right now. You know they're oh, fetching no. some pretty good prices. So yeah, right. And that that doesn't even get into uh, Federico Broncolini, who's the current Primavera goalkeeper. Yeah. Big who, boy, big boy. Oh yeah, he's built like a refrigerator. Yeah. And he's. I think he might actually be the best of the bunch. Yeah. And he's what, eighteen now? Nineteen? He's a young boy. A lot so of he's... promise. The coach yeah, he's, there. he's got a few years before he's ready for the top flight, but he might actually be the one the club is kind of banking on in, you know, what, half a decade or so to really come out and be a starter level player. When, but, when, when Bart's beard is down to his knees by then. Uh, when he, yeah, the patriarch. Yeah. But that is... There is one other goalkeeper on the books for Fiorentina whom some of you may recall, Mike. And who would that be? It's a certain French Burkina Bay goalkeeper mm. named Alvin Lafont. I may have remembered him. Yeah, it seems like years ago that he was playing for Fiorentina. Yep. And 
just giving us emotional whiplash. I was his, about to say the same. Oh man, just like incredible save followed by incredibly boneheaded play. Which how many hearts have have actually worsened uh, as a result? Oh. Like, there's a lot of people, Fiorentina fans, that are going to be having heart attacks at a much younger age from the excitement followed by the "What did he just do?" moments. Yeah, I definitely would jump up off of the couch occasionally and like tear my headphones off of my head in the process and scare the absolute bejesus out of my wife with him more than any other player last year. Uh, so he is on loan also right now. But apparently doing pretty good. You know, I've seen a lot of the, uh, the articles out there. I've seen his name attached more than once to Real Madrid. So can you imagine him going to Real Madrid just a year later or earlier from what we were just ripping our hair out, watching the games and, and uh, having those emotional breakdowns? That's just wild that that could happen to me. But, I mean, if Real Madrid comes knocking and Fiorentina do have a buyback clause, so if they Thank end you. up selling him for, what is it, Mike, like nine, nine million, I think? Nine or ten, and I believe I saw the buybacks around 17. So, uh, you know, it'll cost some, you know, to get them back. But if we know somebody's going to purchase them at a higher rate, I don't know what the open market now is, 25, 30, 35. I mean, Florentino Perez, if you want to talk, we're here. We will happily uh, put you in touch with someone who can transact this deal. Yeah. So that, that he may not end up making a big impact on the field for Fiorentina, but he might end up having a huge role in the finances of the club and in other transfers going forward. So. I guess all and we can say Real Madrid is, is, is very comfortable paying a lot of money for players who don't see the field. So, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I guess all we can say is thanks, Pantaleo. Yeah. All right. And for the final segment of this inaugural show, we have a real treat in that we have managed to get a hold of freelance Serie A writer and Fiorentina fan and former Viola Nation site boss, Chloe Beresford, to talk with us for a little bit. Chloe, how is it going? Yeah, as, as good as it can be in these strange times, I think. Oh, yeah. So you, uh, you wrote an article for Forbes, which, first of all, talking to someone who writes for Forbes is surreal enough in and of itself. <laughs> uh, but you wrote it last week. Uh, about Serie A's plans going forward for the rest of the season. Uh, I think one of the things that a lot of people were very interested in was that you you sound like you think there's a light at the end of the tunnel and we could get some culture again pretty soon. It sounds like it. I mean, I don't know um, how much wishful thinking it is or how much... Um, that it's that it's just I've, I think I wrote in the article that it's penciled in it's just at, uh, the start of the discussions about um, football returning to Italy um, obviously they've had a very tough time and 
the Brescia owner, Massimo Cellino, has sort of said, well, you know, because of everything, Brescia's been particularly badly affected. They they wouldn't like to see the season re- uh, resume anytime soon. So I think there are going to be some back and forth and some discussions um, to be had. But yeah, they've, they've said that possibly um, sides could return to training as early as the beginning of May. Um, and looking at bringing back action obviously behind closed doors uh, around the beginning of June so I mean for all of us that are, are missing the uh, the action and, and the matches that it w- that would be really really good news if they could do it in a safe um, way for all involved. Yeah the safety component obviously is huge here uh, and not just for infection but also I mean, there are, what, 12 or 13 matches left to be played in the season, depending on which team, I believe. So starting those up in June after just a month of training, uh, obviously there's a huge injury risk. I mean, I'm probably going to pull both of my hamstrings walking down the stairs next time I'm in this (laughs) apartment. I can't imagine doing high-level physical work. But there's also the matter of player contracts, which run out in June. Have you heard anything interesting about the transfer market and how that's going to look? Um, I believe I, I read um, an article to say that FIFA were discussing the fact um, of being able to extend player contracts beyond um, beyond the current deadline, which was normally when p- players who are out of contract would become a free agent and could be snapped up by other clubs. So they're looking to carry that on so that those players can continue playing with their current team so that the season could then be completed because obviously um you don't want a situation where where players are just kind of unsure about what's what's going to happen and teams are unsure about whether players can play for them or not so um i think that would be that would be a wise move and it does seem like something that fifa are, are looking to bring in that's encouraging at least although with fifa i mean you can't ever have a whole lot of confidence <laughs> no no how true. that's going to end up <laughs> I guess the other thing, too, is that with club finances just getting wrecked over this last part of the season without any revenues from broadcasting or ticket sales or merchandise, and then uh, having to pay staff and players even where they've taken cuts, uh, what what is going to happen with financial fair play? I mean, is this just going to put a lot of teams so far in the hole that they can't ever catch back up um again i think they've been in a lot of discussions about um relaxing uh, certainly relaxing if not completely sort of cancelling financial fair play for this this period of time because um you know the the balance sheets are completely skewed there's there's no real there's no real income coming in. I mean, I spoke to um, a guy called Fausto Zanetton. He he uh, runs a company called Tifosi, and they they in in normal circumstances they uh, they're a sort of a football investment expert company. But obviously, at the moment, that's not really happening. But they uh, the the Fausto that I spoke to he um, sort of explained how 
it's an unprecedented time. There are there are risk of bankruptcies for clubs. Uh, you know, uh, lots lots of things to consider. Wait, needs needs and uh, ways to keep clubs afloat. Uh, and I think from Fiorentina's point of view, they're just really lucky that uh, they have an owner who um, has already stated that the club's employees will be safe. Uh, and that you know, he, although the club has lost money, he's still looking to invest and and to put money in. So, you know, from a Fiorentina perspective, uh, they they are very lucky because, like every club, they they will have lost a substantial amount of money from this. That's true, and it's actually one of the things that I read recently was uh, that the Rocco specifically targeted Andrea Bellotti over the January break for 40 million euros, which <laughs> I, I'm still trying to clean my brains back up off of the ceiling. My head just blew up. Uh, it's not something we're used to, is that really? That no. Those kind of transfer rumors. <laughs> I mean, good gracious. But it was a really nice reminder, even though you know, consider the source. It's probably coming from the Torino camp while Everton are circling for him to drive up the price. But it was very encouraging that it seems like Rocco at least has the money and the willingness to spend on the club. And that combined with the, the letter he sent out a couple weeks ago to the staff, that was, that painted a, a good picture of someone who's really ready to spend on the club which is yeah and somebody who's in it for the long term as well um long term sensible investment uh, from you know money that he's made through another business i and you know i when he took over the club i was really encouraged by the fact that he said uh that he wasn't getting any younger and they wanted to see the team do well sooner rather than later he's he's been consistent in that message uh and you know with it, trying to get a new stadium or a, a a revamp of the Frankie done he's he's really um he's got the thumbs and he wants to spend them but he wants to do it in the right way which is you know it's it, after after the previous ownership which we we won't mention mm. <laughs> um, he's a real breath of fresh air it oh, it really is i've it's been very fun to uh cover the team in this setting a little more than it was over the past what half decade maybe there's just so much yeah. more hope even even right now when it's very very hard to find any hope anywhere about anything so that's yeah. been nice absolutely all right and uh one last question before we let you get back to your regularly scheduled entertainment <laughs> uh do you have any current or upcoming projects that people should be following along with um at the moment i'm mainly um i'm mainly writing for forbes um you know with not very much live football to cover um forbes writing for forbes is great because it, it allows you to work on the um the storylines behind the scenes because it's it's mainly from a financial perspective um, the current climate is that there's there's plenty of stuff <laughs> like that to write. Um, I this week I'm hoping to cover. Um, I've seen a story that uh, Covacciano, which obviously is just round the corner from Fiorentina Stadium, 
that they've the FIGC have very generously allowed Covacciano to be converted into obviously they've got rooms there because the Italy squad stay there when they're training they've got lots of rooms and they they've allowed it to be used for a place where people who've been in hospital with coronavirus and who need uh, time to recover before they can return to their families uh, can can stay in in Covacciano um, and uh, recover and until it's safe for them to go back so I think that that was a really excellent thing to do and it's something I'm looking forward to covering in the coming week. That sounds fascinating actually that'll that'll be on boards? Yes. Very good we will all be following along with that really closely uh, and I think with that we can wrap this up thank you so much for coming back to our little site now that you have made the big time chloe it was so good to hear <laughs> from you uh, anytime anytime I, you know I, it's uh such fun memories of, of writing for viola nation and i'm you know happy to come on and talk to you guys anytime well thank you again and good luck out there you too all right, that's all we have for this one. Thanks for listening to Viola Station. Our hosts are Mike McCormack and Tito Coat. Tito also produced this episode. Special thanks to Chloe Beresford for this one. Check out her work in Forbes and follow her on Twitter at Chloe J. Beresford to keep up with her other work. Her theme is Great Catch by Windchime Weather. Check out their other stuff at windchimeweather.bandcamp.com. Viola Station is a Viola Nation podcast. We're at violanation.com. See y'all next time, Force of Viola. Sports Social Podcast Network.